them ghetto bitches. Speaking in tongue, bitches. Full on the floor. That's each on the door. Beating them ghetto bitches. Speaking in tongue, bitches. Full on the floor. That's each on the door. Talk shit, we the cat spell. Long weeks, long nails. Corn broke, pigtails. Baby fox still in jail. Good witches I fuck with. Bad bitches, we run shit. Four bitches, four corners. North, east, west, south shit. Good witches I fuck with. Hot door for my boomstick. Witchcraft, bitchcraft. White magic is nothing. I reach in my altar. I reach in my altar. I reach in my altar. Got coins on the counter. I'm that black Rican bruja straight out from the Yoruba. And my people come from Africa, diaspora, Cuba. And you mix that Arabic. Good morning, people. My grandma's with Brujas, and I come from an island, and it's one Puerto Rico, and it's one of the smallest. You are listening to the Bridge Radio from FSK Live, and we are here again today to talk about politics. We are here again, again today to talk about refugees, migrants, minority groups in the society, most especially here in the West. Don't you fuck with my energy, 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 don't you fuck with my energy. Cast the spells with my cousin, I'm the head of the stomach, I'm a shape-shifting bitch, you don't know who you love it, better light you a candle, I heard the night time was black, and if you don't watch your step, We've got a very interesting program coming your way today, and one of the things we are going to be talking about is production of knowledge. And if you looked at our Facebook site and our website on the Bridge Radio, you would have seen the description we made a few days ago. And in this program, we'll be asking the question, what is knowledge and the production of knowledge? Who can produce knowledge and who are the people assumed to be able to be able to uh, um, acquire knowledge or produce knowledge and we know how it is here in the west or the assumption of who can produce knowledge and that's what we are going to be talking about today i'm looking forward to this interesting program and discussions and i'm going to be having some very interesting um guests in on the show and which will be coming on very soon so but while we wait for that um i would like you to Relax and listen to one of our the artists who we are going to be having on the show today, and her name is, uh, their name is Ment. So I would like you to relax and also listen to her very very political um, views on what is production of knowledge, um, the way she views, uh, the way they view the uh, society here in the West, and how they have experienced the educational system. What you're going to be hearing is the voice of men and their music. So relax and enjoy this. Stress, anxiety, handle it quietly. Most of our bitches got depression. We live in a world that just weren't made for us. But we keep our mouth shut. Stress, anxiety, handle it quietly. Most of my bitches got depression. We live in a world that just weren't made for us. But we keep our mouth shut. 
so lost in this fucking system Don't even know what's good or wisdom Run from my problems, land in Lisbon, land in Brisbane Fuck the system, anxiety's been keeping me up all night Scariest place in the world is my mind Rather travel the world than travel myself Travel the world before I travel myself From day one I never face my problems Built up, but nobody's stopped them Dad died, I cried a million times You can say that I hit rock bottom But there was no space in my life And I know that I would've paid the price If I ever took that time Self-care so radical for black girls' lives Stress, anxiety, handle it quietly Most of my bedrooms got depression We live in a world that just weren't made for us But we keep our mouths shut Stress, anxiety, handle it quietly Most of my bedrooms got depression We live in a world that just weren't made for us But we keep our mouths shut Going to cancer and tell me things I start all angling My mind is a way that will start all mangling But the penny's been dying for a long time My mind's not been alright Happiness is a thing that I dream at night Be black in this world, in love with a girl Black in this world, in love with a girl Just got a flick on the TV See somebody identical to me getting killed by the violent tropes The tropes of white supremacy I Like how is this never gonna understand me Never, never gonna understand me You don't understand T, you won't understand me That's why I stand on my own two feet Stress, anxiety, handle it quietly Most of our bedrooms got depression We live in a world that just weren't made for us But we keep our mouth shut Stress, anxiety, handle it quietly Most of my bedrooms got depression You're listening to Mains and the title of this song is called Lost in the System and many of us can really really identify with that when we're talking about being forgotten in the system or being lost in the system and they are going to be the, one of the um, interviewers I'm going to have in the program today and with their very uh, important views which I think contributes very much to this our program of production of knowledge and our second um guest is going to be a student also they are going to introduce themselves very soon and uh, i hope you are looking very forward to this very interesting um, topic because it's very very important in our society today as to what we assume is knowledge how knowledge is produced and who can produce knowledge and what is the difference between knowledge and education all of that we'll be discussing in a while so I'm going to be bringing on the guest and and I hope you relax and also pay very attentive, uh, very, very, pay, pay very, very uh, uh, attention to what the topics are going to be discussed about. And we hope that you also have some inputs and some opinions about it. You can always write the Bridge Radio and uh, share your opinions with us and what you think about what's we are talking about today and uh, the next voices you're going to be hearing is going to be our discussion coming next and uh, here it comes the bridge radio okay this is the bridge radio once again and uh, we are back in today's program and as we talked about our program today is going to be about production of knowledge and if you looked at what our title it is called knowledge is not white and uh, why we said that or why we feel like this or why we experience it like this we are going to try to explain to you along the way but i have got two very interesting um, 
uh, individuals who are one with me in the studio here, who is uh, a student, but I will allow him to introduce himself. He's Canelo. Please, can you introduce yourself? Thanks, Steve. Yeah, as Steve just said, my name is Camilo. I'm a student, currently a student at the um, University of Hamburg. I'm in the last semester of anthropology or ethnology. There's actually no clarity regarding the name of the of the st of the career, but um, I'm in my last semester. I've been working lately in the past years with the topics of decolonization, um, imperialism, and the consequences, the impacts of of these two uh, white supremacist practices in, as well as not only in, in Europe, but also in Latin America. How does that impact um, us as, as very diverse societies? And currently, in, my, in the past years living in Germany, I've been really into the topic, especially in academic, um, con academic contexts. Thank you very much, and um, that will, that's going to be one of our guests today to talk about this particular issue. And our second guest is from London, and um, uh, the name is Mens. And please, would you introduce yourself to us, Mens, and what you do? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, my name is Mels. Um, I am a, well, I am actually a PhD researcher um, looking at topics of decoloniality and knowledge production um, with the Black British community. Um, I've taken a little break from that. But other than that, I've been working on decolonizing university spaces for the past three or four years. Um, started with just um, looking at my own particular course, uh, challenging university on that, and then I was elected to a position um, where I was able to challenge the university as a whole and then work with other universities across the UK on campaigns such, such as Why is my curriculum white and um, decolonizing the university. Um, I've been, I have a TED talk out um, that kind of explores these ideas, um, and yeah, that's pretty much me. Yeah, that's another interesting introduction, and also what you do in general. So I'm looking very much to um, our conversation today, but I have I must have to ask you both. Um, it's not every one of us who is kind of uh, involved in our communities, who has the possibilities and also, let's say, kind of language, uh, academic language, to understand maybe what we might be talking about today. So I'm kindly going to ask you to try to break it down a little bit in a simple language because also many of our listeners or, or people who we want this message to really get out to is the communities who are excluded from these languages, who do not uh, get access to these languages. So maybe we'll just try to break it down a little bit where everyone can really understand and get involved. So as, we, as you mentioned previously, um, you were having a presentation in the Leeds University, um, which was with uh, TEDx, and which is a kind of very interesting topic that you were also trying to uh, present. The, your topic was called Decolonizing the Curriculum in the Universities. And um, please, could you somehow elaborate a little bit why that was important or this, why this topic is important in your own experience? Yeah. Um, the topic of decolonizing the academy is massively important to me, I guess, because 
having studied, so my undergrad was in philosophy and politics, um, and then my master's social and political thought. Um, I am very interested in like the foundations of knowledge. I'm very interested in philosophy and kind of studying those kind of courses and seeing and have it feel like a violence against myself. Um, being stuck in a curriculum that makes me have to forget things that I know in the material world or um, forget things about myself in order to pass was something I found deeply problematic. And this is something that a lot of um, black philosophy students um, kind of resonate with um, because the way that the analytical Western philosophy is taught, it's both taught as a necessary truth um, and it's taught as if it's not racist. And so the kind of decolonial project that um, I'm interested in, the way that I came to it was through looking at the the inaccuracies, the um, inconsistencies, and the violence of Western philosophy. And that's why I think it's important. Yeah, that, that, that's very interesting to know because also in your in in, the, in this same talk you mentioned one of the philosophers or mm. famous philosophers who was uh, who we are still using his theories to date. Mm -hmm. um, uh, who uh, we know very well, who is also a German, uh, who is <laughs> called uh, Immanuel Kant, and his philosophies mm. of both race and ideas and theories are still being used today. And mm -hmm. you mentioned that. Can you elaborate why it's important or why you find it very um, tragic also in, in these educational spaces? Um, I find it, it's, it's tragic because we're taught people like Kant or people like Hume as if they are genuinely the founders of, our, of the best aspects of this liberal world. And I won't even get into the problems that I have with liberalism, but... Mm -hmm. um, their kind of ideas of universal human rights, their ideas of personhood, like all of these ideas, I believe, are violently painted with the same brush that allows for slavery, colonization, um, and apartheid. Like these, their very ideas, I believe, set the foundation for the exclusion of people of color. Mm -hmm. And to read them and study them and write about them in our curriculums today without that that kind of critical edge or yeah without that critical edge even being accepted as a um point of view that has any value is something that is so 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 deeply problematic to me mm. camelo yeah I, I want to point out certain things about what males just said uh, i think i have also lived like living in a universitary context in Germany, a white supremacist country too, like the United mm. Kingdom, um, makes you feel sometimes that the whole system, everything that, that surrounds you is actually made for hurting you. Mm. I absolutely agree on that. Uh, getting Indeed. integrated, this integration idea that's very popular in Germany, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. in all, maybe in all European countries nowadays, yeah. implies you implies that uh, that we people of color we migrants we refugees need um we need to simply ignore the fact that we that the system is done by whites for whites mm. and that everybody who's not white needs simply to 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 accommodate they need to force themselves into the system which is which results like Mertz just express it it results in a psychological and an emotional 
mm-hmm. um, form of oppression, which of course is very political, mm-hmm. but the result, the impact is absolutely emotional, personal, individual. Of course, mm-hmm. collective, but every individual feels it and works on it differently and in individually. Let's put it that way. That is really true. Uh, secondly, can't or can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve, we. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I cannot pronounce the name right because I, 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 I also am almost very sure he cannot pronounce my own name right. Correct. So, please. Yeah, no. <laughs> and if you pronounce it a bit wrong as well, it sounds like a. A rude word, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it resonates with who he is. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Realistically, <laughs> if you pronounce his name right, it kind of resonates in reality what it, yeah. it is in reality. But yeah, exactly. continue. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very interesting comment. Uh, <laughs> I guess I need to admit I was a can can't can't reader. I was really interested when I was like 16, I was really into Kant's philosophy, which mm-hmm. is white, wh- white philosophy, mm-hmm. which is the only philosophy we get taught in, in schools and universities mm-hmm. nowadays, which more or less is the point. And I was also, um, this is one of the facts, I mean, in order to understand Kant in school, my teachers told me Kant's um, contribution to philosophy, it's essential. If you don't understand Kant, you won't understand philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's one of the points. Mm-hmm. How come we need to understand a white man's position, opinion of the world in order to understand philosophy? Which we're ignoring mm. philosophy is, is human. It's every word you go is philosophy. And mm-hmm. European mm-hmm. philosophy is not the only way of, of, making, of doing philosophy. On the one hand, mm. the other hand, I really think that people like Kant, with like Kant <laughs> they are especially dangerous uh, nowadays because as Meltz just said, um, Many co- many mo- modern and you know liberal concepts are based on white philosophy of the 18th century, which is the mm-hmm. same individuals. Exactly, they descend. Kant is the great great grandfather of our neighbors mm-hmm. here in Germany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what happens is uh, we're still basing, we're still referring ourselves to to the white man who lived uh, 250 years ago, and his ideas, and he and their ideas. In, in order to regulate or to make our out of ours, out of ourselves as people of color something valuable or something that the academy is gonna acknowledge. Mm. So Indeed. deconstructing all this idea of philosophy also implies deconstructing the academy and the, and its relevance, the the importance of getting a degree, being you know scholarized. That is all, that's part of the job. Mm. No, because I, something just struck me when you when you were talking. Now you talked about integration. If we have to bring this uh, conversation to the level where people can really relate with the reality of what is happening around us, um, you mentioned integration, and one of the things I have been trying to somehow challenge in in here in Europe, it's this particular world because it's already excludes you from already the society itself that you have to try all your life to integrate to this particular society and that comes down to different ways simply the language if we're talking about knowledge uh, in nigeria or in africa uh, we have a lot a lot of philosophers we have a lot of intellectuals um, people who really uh, look at the world in a different way but the only thing is that uh, they do not speak the language that the west do speak 
And in their in their experience, when they come in this part of the world, it doesn't matter what they know, it doesn't matter what their philosophy is, it doesn't matter the knowledge that they embody, because they cannot express it in this language, in German or in in English, then they are automatically illiterate. Then you have to speak in their own language to be even able to be able to be recognized of what you know. And they will tell you when you are perfect in this language. (laughs) So it's kind of you have to keep on integrating all your whole life in order to be yeah, accepted and be recognized as somebody who might even produce some kind of knowledge. So some of us who are, let's say, migrants in today's crisis, assume crisis, get to... um, few that we get to face this every time it's even like a thing you are told you have to integrate so how do you see like uh, or how do you both um, see the either philosophies or ideas or the way of educating this western society let's even say on the migration for instance of something that is happening today how do you see that also being reality again repeating itself whereby they are um pushing their own ideas, their own philosophies of what these migrants are about. I mean, can you um, elaborate on this a bit? Should I go? <laughs> no, no. I'll have to. Sorry? Yeah, you can, you can if you yeah. can. Um, yeah, I guess just on the points of um, integration and the, the harmfulness that integration has, it is it, premised on the idea that what you're going to integrate into is better than what you, what your own culture and what your own heritage is. Mm-hmm. I personally also think it's, it's premised on that, but it's also premised on the idea that there's going to be some sort of conflict between um, your culture and the Western culture. Mm. And that kind of fear, it, it says to me that they know how how racist their culture is inherently they know how how flawed it is and so any attempts to exist on the peripheries of it or to exist outside it is an immediate threat to it and how and it just it just shows how fragile western the western world is and western society is Mm. and it's also in a sense of through colonization the i guess mistakes that our ancestors made may have made through um the openness or the kindness or the lack of suspicion mm. of um the white man in some cases has led to what it has done today and i guess the fear of that same happening to them is is something is something massive mm. they need to uphold the society because it benefits them in every single way shape and form Camilo? True. I mean, <laughs> I mean, why to? I think integration. If I translate it into my own personal language, mm-hmm. it is white supremacy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> if I if I open my own translator, white supremacy is the meaning of <laughs> integration. It means um, exactly as well, just same thing you you just said, Melt. It's simply it demonstrates how fragile whiteness is. Mm. Because um, you as a migrant, you come here with your own customs, with your own language, with your food, with your music, with your bodiness, mm. right? With your gender, with your religion, with your spirituality. Mm. You, you ju- 
a single body doesn't migrate. It migrates with experiences, with memories, mm -hmm. with literature, mm. with arts, you know. And then you come here and somehow that what you are is whether not sufficient or is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So we need to discipline you so that you act like us. And only if you act like us, you will be accepted. We're not racist. No. We just want you to get integrated. We're not racists. We like everybody. We like all genders, all colors. right? But we like them only if they are like us. If they speak our language, if they eat our food, if they, uh, you know, if they be start behaving just like us, if they if they also undergo the process of disciplination mm. of white capitalist um, Christian discipline. Mm -hmm. So integration means, for example, one of the ways integration and discipline takes place is academy. Yes, it's acknowledging Kant or Kant. Yeah, <laughs> it's acknowledging. Uh, all, not only Kant, but all, well, all many of those <laughs> exactly white philosophy, yeah. white uh, science is a white European institution. White historian. <laughs> I mean, there is science all over the world. There is philosophy all over the world, um, but th it looks differently. It sounds differently. Look exactly what you said, Steve. It's all all about, for example, all about power. Mm -hmm. Why would they force us to speak their language? Because language is power. Mm -hmm. You go go to London, go to Berlin, go to Rome, Paris, all the big cities in Germany. You will go to schools. All the low class, working class schools are full, are filled with st uh, of children of color, right? Mm -hmm. And they they usually they speak the language of their parents or their grandparents. Mm -hmm. They speak Yoruba. They speak Lingala. Mm -hmm. no? uh, mm -hmm. They speak Vietnamese. They speak right their language, but. And the, the migrants, they're mi majority in, the, in these cases. They're numerically speaking, they're majorities, but they still are forced to learn and speak German and receive class in German. Mm -hmm. So they giving, forcing people to speak the language, the official language of the country, the European colonial language, mm -hmm. is another way of of making, of letting discipline take place, and integration. So this discourse of integration. Um, is very related to ac to the to the academy and to philosophy and science and so on, because those, the academy and science mm -hmm. and the, and this wide knowledge production, yeah. legitimates integration discourses, and therefore racism and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. no. Indeed, indeed, and it's just interesting how um, children of immigrants are, um, well, people of colour in general, mm -hmm. um, are are treated for having a mother tongue that isn't of the West. But when a, so there was this thing in the UK recently um, that one of the um, prince's children knows two languages by the age of like four or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like every, like more or less, every like first generation second generation um child in the uk probably knows their home language and english and it's just that kind of esteem is given to a white face that that can do those things but on the on the flip side where um where looked down upon for having that mother tongue mm -hmm. 
No, this this is. It was the question many of President Bush's critics had been waiting to hear for weeks. On Iraq, the, uh, the so-called Downing Street memo from July 2002 says intelligence and facts remain fixed around the policy of removing Saddam through military action. The memo says that the head of British intelligence told the British government that President Bush saw a war against Saddam as inevitable and that intelligence in Washington was, quote, being fixed around the policy. The next music you're going to be hearing is called uh, Propaganda, and the artist is called Dread Press. And we've been talking about education and production of knowledge, and I wish you are interested and very into this topic also with us. You've had my two guests, very interesting topic we're having. Just we take a little break, and we're coming back to this particular conversation. And here, please enjoy this music. This is really what we see going on today, and that's why we are trying to change it ourselves. The news is 
propaganda. I don't believe Bob Marley died from cancer. 31 years ago, I would have been a panther. You killed Huey because you knew he had the answer. The views that you see in the news is motherfucking propaganda. And what you just heard was a dread press propaganda. And what we are trying to change here today is also trying to change the ideas of what is being talked about as the propaganda that is being made about black people, brown people, people of different cultures, indigenous refugees, migrants today. So we are really trying to change that in every way. So the next, we'll go back to the interview and I hope you stay tuned. Uh, one of the things I've found very controversial during my time, it's one of these books called um, um, Tintin in Congo. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, what is that the name of the author or is that no the, this is the name of the book uh his name okay. heggy he was a cartoonist okay and uh, yeah. the belgian yeah cartoon the belgian cartoonist who he also wrote some he also made some about uh the americas and the indigenous people there you know and uh, i think many series of this but what really struck me most is uh the uh how is it called tintin in congo um I, I will just show you this a, a bit. Mm. Uh, but uh, he was making this um, cartoon and was uh, portraying almost himself because he was a journalist. But uh, he made Tintin and his dog, <laughs> Snore, that had to go to uh, Benjamin and uh, save the people who were there. And there has been quite activists uh, for decades now who has been trying to 
um, protest or kind of say this book should be taken away from the from children education and should not be used because it's both racist and discriminative and paints a white man as um, like both savior and coming to save the people and this kind of thing and as like the superior race and this has also been an issue because now his book is uh, this series of books are still kept as like uh, a history more or like and he has a museum for it so people have been protesting in order to close it and this it's one of the arguments some of the times where people say ah but he was not very aware at this time this was what was happening during his time so he couldn't know better so as a philosopher or somebody who produces knowledge or who knows who should know better in this society mm. Even when you make mistake, I assume that we should say, okay, we have moved on from this time where we thought differently, but now these books should not be in the schools anymore, or this idea should not be in the schools anymore. But if you look mm. at our, our institutions, these ideas, these people who write these kind of books and philosophies and ideas and histories of other people, they are still there and they are still even more being produced. What's your both opinions on this? I feel, I feel like um, there's this belief that these people tacitly tacitly agreed to the racist standards of 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 their time mm -hmm. but it, that isn't the case they genuinely produced theories and knowledge of racism they weren't just saying okay people are, like we live in a racist society and so um racism is going to be a byproduct of my my ideas they were producing ideas to create a racist society. They were they were racists, yeah. and they they produced racist theories that we are still feeling today, and we're feeling the um, the the negative effects of. Um, and I guess my position on it is that if those things are going to be taught, then they need to be taught critically. They need to be taught because personally, I feel like the way of undoing racism is trying to understand where it roots from and where it comes from mm -hmm. rather than um like rather than kind of ignoring it or um obviously suggesting like a post-racial society which <laughs> is a whole different conversation but um yeah i feel like they should be they should be looked at within the curriculum but they need to be looked at in the most critical sense mm. camilo i mean I was just taking a look at the at Tintin's or the French word French pronunciation Tonton for people who can't who you know who know it uh, and it's French version Tonton. <laughs> uh, it's the it's the they're portraying black people, Congolese people uh, as it's usually you know this classical idea of blackface for example yeah it's the the cartoons are drawn the same way people you know the whites carried out uh blackface in the united states and uh, the, the Even netherlands still South in belgium Africa. Yeah. and belgium of course um it is exactly it's um i couldn't i could not even agree more with you both because <coughs> the fact i actually um had this very similar um, moment in the in the in Christmas time, Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. I was with a white family. I was invited to spend Christmas with them, and you know nobody in Germany would consider themselves 
racist. Nobody would say, yes, I'm racist. <laughs> and if you point it out, you're the bad person, right? Mm -hmm. If you point out, you say, that was a racist comment. Uh. Me, myself? I mm -hmm. cannot be racist because I'm your friend. <laughs> yeah. Right? We all know that. But the thing is, with this, this uh, thing with, with Tintin is very special because there is a lot of black people in Belgium, in, in Belgium especially people from, from Congo, people yeah. who suffered the slavery. Genocide. <laughs> Exactly, genocide, slavery, all kinds of abuse by the colonial regime in 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 Congo. The 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 Belgium, what's his name, King uh, Leopold. Leopold, we have yeah. it right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he killed uh, over well, 10 million of the Congolese inter after during their colonization. Exactly. So, King Leopold and Belgium, uh, they have they need to pay reparations. And this cartoon of Tintin, now if you criticize other generations' uh, ideas, thoughts, and behaviors, mm -hmm. same way I did on Christmas Eve, when I, when, you know, when you talk to older German people, to older white people, mm -hmm. you'll find out they're still racist, and they, they're, they're aware of it. Of course, racism, every, you cannot argue that you're not aware of your racism. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know you're a racist. Maybe you don't know that it's bad. Maybe you, as a white person, you have always been told, you are the owner of the world. You're the owner of every <laughs> possible conversation that you cannot. There is no place you cannot get in. There is no word you cannot pronounce. Mm -hmm. You are the owner of the world. So, so suddenly a person of color comes and says, you cannot do that. You know, the reaction is always violent in that sense because they, they would reclaim what they think there's that, that that's theirs. Mm -hmm. Tintin, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. You're asking... Uh, you're asking the white uh, Belgian society to get rid of this ca of this cartoon, but they say no. It it was a 1930s cartoon. Mm -hmm. Now in 2019, we are not any more racist. And I say you are if you don't want to. You want to if you don't want to remove if you are not able to remove Teen Teen from uh, from the schools and from the media. And being taught in the same way. Exactly. I mean, if mm -hmm. if it's still if you, if it's reproducing in schools mm. with Belgian with. Congolese Belgian students, you need to get rid of this racist white supremacist cartoon, mm -hmm. which is reinforcing the stereotypes of the savage black persons in the jungle with the giraffes in Congo. I mean, those students of Congolese uh, descendants or ascendants, they are they're still black. They're maybe they're Belgian, they're European, but they're black, and their ancestors are these people who are being portrayed in this. Uh, dumb, uh, you know, cartoons. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, if you look in the long effect, or what I'm trying to, to get the both of you's um, views, is in the long effect to how we feel or to how we experience this society after these things or this kind of knowledge has been produced, what kind of effect does it have on, like, black communities, indigenous communities, minority communities in this society today? Because this knowledge mm. we're talking about now is still being produced. It's being still being practiced. And when people talk about it and say, you know what? If you do not think we produce knowledge, even though we every day in our life we put efforts in trying to build this particular society, and yet we are not um, recognized, if you are doing that, then we try to make a change or build a society that is kind of different. So, and how do we do that? Or how do we kind of, as black people, change the images that we are sort of presented with? 
today because this is still something that is still ongoing. So I wanted to get the both of you's views on that because if you look at as a migrant, when I came into Europe, <laughs> the first things I really noticed uh, I, I was not hidden was that I do not belong here. It's not a place that was built for me. I mean, I would always have to remain or kind of remain a slave, trying to make up, trying to catch up. It's never going to be a, a place for me. And that's kind of something that is left with quite a lot of, um, if I would say, Africans that I have met because they work on a daily basis. They do these things that professionals do, also called professionals do, but because they do not or even see themselves as people who have the knowledge or who can produce this sort of knowledge in the society, or they do not have the degrees, then they do not even see themselves as people who can produce knowledge or who embody these knowledges. So what effect does this kind of thing, this kind of knowledge that we see in the Western society have on black communities, on minority communities? Um, just to say before, um, I have never seen the Tintin um, cartoon, but when, I'm, when I was talking about things still being taught but critically I was still kind of talking about the philosophy mm -hmm. and the foundational ideas of the world and the value of that being taught critically because in order to undo the foundations you need to know the foundations mm. but if it's just a product of the racist world then yeah people like because I, I think that stuff happens more so in continental Europe than it does um, in the UK these very um, brazen um and obvious iterations of of racism and blackface and um through the media etc like we have our own forms of racism but that specific kind um is 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 very interesting to me it's very it's very weird to me and the the effects that they, that has on on communities it's 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 like what um Kamal was saying in terms of similar to the curriculum that that emotional um, effect that that has on us that always seeing ourselves um, in being represented by a society that essentially hates us and that essentially sees us as lesser and the the long-term effect that that has on on the psyche on on the hearts and our minds is it's, it's unprecedented mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I think it, Steve I want to I want to take your words I want to quote you <clears throat> it's essential, it's very, it's urgent to understand that uh, most of the times, even even with our white allies, right, with the people who, who claim to be our allies, uh, even they would think that they are the ones who produce knowledge, mm -hmm. that they are the ones who, who received the proper and the relevant knowledge in schools, in their, in their institutions. Mm -hmm. Even if they try to um, to relate to you in a non-racist way, let's put it that way, in a conscious, <laughs> <laughs> in a conscious, very aware of the intersectionality level, mm -hmm. there might always be present this idea that, for example, for I, I will now name an example of my own life, my own way of understanding knowledge. Yes, drums. I'm a musician. Mm -hmm. I play drums, traditional Colombian drums. Mm -hmm. So that is a way, there is science, there is philosophy, there is knowledge in our music, mm -hmm. in our spirituality. Which is still being used today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it is absolutely relevant, and, but you're you not getting 
Sometimes I sit, I sit in class and I say, this is, I cannot use this information because I understand the world differently. Mm -hmm. I understand it by, you know, music. And who, which one of these white teachers, of these white professors is going to uh, contribute to my music, to my, um, you know, to the way I, I play my drums? Mm -hmm. Which one of those? None. None because for, for them and for white knowledge, you need, there is, there is a process. There is a process that, uh, uh, that is, has nothing to do with, with our processes, with our institutions, with our, even with our, our elements, the things we use to learn and to reproduce knowledge. So coming back to Meltzer's point, there is a problem regarding psychological and emotional factors when you when you're constantly being told that you need to take notes you need to <laughs> you need to be disciplined in the german or the european ways in this case no look to the front take notes uh you know raise your hand if you want to talk <laughs> and if you don't work that way if you if you cannot you know force yourselves into those structures mm -hmm. you you're going to be constantly told you're insufficient mm -hmm. you're dumb you were not you're not suited for school life, that you, you better work your whole life. You're not an intellectual. You're never going to be a philosopher, mm -hmm. right? And on the other hand, the whites, they're being told the other, all the, uh, complete, the different... The opposite. The opposite, sorry. They can do everything. They can do everything. They're, they're intellectual, they're the greatest. <laughs> and let's do not forget one of the, one of the essential key points of this um, idea of questioning white knowledge production is that the white Eurocentric um, philosophy, the white Eurocentric um, key concepts of knowledge is or one of the ways they use to, legitima to legitimate racism, right? And many other ways of oppression, many mm -hmm. other forms of oppression is intellectualism, mm -hmm. being intellectual. On the other hand, on the opposite side, people of color, I would say especially Africans and people of African descent, yeah. they are savage, they are physical, they're very, you know, they're emotional. Mm -hmm. We, the whites, we, the Europeans, we are rational. We are Kant. Yeah? yeah. We're Immanuel Kant. We're, wha we're you know, we're, we're superior because we use our heads, because we think, because we create philosophy and science. Whereas white black people and people of color they just savage people like just like Tintin yeah. savage people living in the jungle chasing giraffes and elephants right they are emotional their, their bodies are very strong they dance they, they play music but we we're superior this idea this whole idea of philosophy of, of white philosophy European philosophy it's based on this idea of, the th of thinking and just thinking with your mind and acting rationally behaving, you know, Kant's philosophy is mainly based on behavior, mm -hmm. how to behave rationally. On the other hand, other types of philosophy, African philosophy, indigenous philosophy of the Americas, uh, of the Pacific Islands, is very more, it's absolutely different. It doesn't rely on this idea of, um, of rational thinking and rational processes, you know, intellectual ways of acting, but of body it, it depends I, i'm not going to speak about many things that I, I don't know because i'm not a philosopher in any case 
but it's, it's essentially different. It does not rely on this division of body and mind. Mm. Right? Mm. They are mixed. They, they, you cannot separate they cannot them. be separated. Yeah, and that that's one of the just a little comment. That's one of the main uh, bases of um, of European science and philosophy: division, categorization. Mm -hmm. Everything needs to be understood separately. Can't change the world as we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do will say today is worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child. I begin my first now. Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words. Like Joe Badass coming your way. It's called Land of the Free. Are we really living in the land of the free? That's one of the questions we get to ask ourselves, even though it is presented that way. You are again listening to the Bridge Radio, and I hope you're enjoying our program as much as we are going on. You down, now you trapped inside the cubicle, they built for us. The first step in the change is to take notice. For those who were not able to join us from the beginning, we are talking about knowledge and the production of knowledge, and who is able to produce knowledge in the society. So that's our conversation, and if you have not been listening, please stay tuned to listen to our last conversation based on this with the two guests I have. And we've been talking to Mendes and um, Camelo, and uh, one is an artist, the other one an anthropologist who is a student. So that's the two people we've been talking about, their experience and how they've also experienced the um, educational system how they feel excluded and how that does not include them so stay tuned and listen to the last version of it if you haven't Trickery in the system, put my niggas in prison, all our history hidden, ain't no liberty given, we all fit the description of what the documents written, we've been lacking the vision and barely making a living, we too worried to fit in, while they've been benefiting, every time you submit it, we all good to admit it, the law won't get you acquitted, but you still ask for forgiveness, but opiates and syringes, then inject his religion, now many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission, many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission, a human with supervision, ain't no living condition, I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping that they will listen. Start a new coalition against corrupt politicians It's not enough about the prison Too many murder convictions Nothing family evicted Nothing black man the victim That's as real as it's getting You should take recognition And the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized my people made us all loners Still got the last names of our slave owners And the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized my people made us all loners Yeah we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say the day that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child. Yeah. Radio, 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 Radio,
back in the studio and as we are going on we are talking about again people in the community who do not have the possibilities to be able to assess educational system and the presumption that they do not acquire knowledge or they do not uh, produce knowledge we need to be very very um careful in the way we present these things or in the way we assume these things because knowledge as it is, is an embodiment of one's self. And education is formal knowledge that is produced by the, by the state, as I would say, or institutions. And uh, we should not mistake these two things because knowledge is of different types. But anyway, we are going to move on again and I'm going to finish this interview with the two guests in the studio. Please stay tuned. Now, this this is uh, very interesting also because now you mentioned uh, being kids. Uh, one of the things I've found very controversial during my time, it's one of these, yeah, one of these uh, saying this, I have to try to give one example, which is also has been quite a bit painful for me to realize in my experience since I came to Europe. Um, in Nigeria, we always had this need to... Um, embrace Western way of life. It was what was taught to us. It was the best thing that could happen. And the indigenous ways or the traditional ways of living, of doing things, of even knowledge that is, let's say, by preserving the ecosystem, uh, medicine, all of these traditional things, all of these things were being abandoned or kind of being told it is not uh, 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 good enough because it is no knowledge. It's, we have a better knowledge, which is the Western knowledge, of course. And uh, a lot of these things were gone. I mean, we have, uh, at this time, even bought employment for local people. We had uh, women who were doctors themselves. I mean, they called them midwives, but I wouldn't say that. But they, they, they were people who had their own knowledge of doing things in their own way, but had to kind of abandon it in order to take uh, the Western um, knowledge and when most of these people who already practice these things come here they also need to integrate you know like take upon the western new uh, ways of doing things and of reading let's say medicine for instance or practicing medicine and in the other hand here we are both excluded um, from actually assessing these uh, med med medications many of the times in this society as africans or uh, people who are uh, of color indigenous people we actually prevented systematically to assess it. Um, what do you get to say in terms of like some of these practices that we know or have heard that is kind of being um, killed, let's say, in indigenous communities and exploiting their own knowledge of how their society should be? Mm. It's just really sad to me. Um, 
because there's a lot of things that a lot of indigenous um, people knew um, about, say, science, about the world, about the environment, Mm-hmm. that they didn't necessarily get through like the positivist scientific western method mm-hmm. they got it through other other means mm-hmm. and now there's a lot of looking back and seeing oh this group of people actually knew this mm-hmm. and the west didn't know this until about a hundred years later yeah. and it's kind of like re- like removing their own belief in well for some people their own belief in um the in in the supernatural i guess and in the things that they have been taught their whole life and going for this which in many ways is like a lesser in my in my in my view anyway is like a lesser route to understanding because mm-hmm. it takes a lot longer to to get to that route of understanding yeah but and the fact that it's it has to be um empirical it has to be in front of your eyes and I feel like that takes a lot out of life and it makes us view the world in a very, very specific way. Um, and back to what you we were saying about the division between the mind and the body, like this Cartesian dualism, um, Descartes as it, and the person who kind of established um, this idea between uh, the mind and the body um, through I think, therefore I am. Um, I feel like that's one of the core reasons that um, one of the, one of the most fundamental basis basis of of Western society, and that not not even just the distinction between the mind and the body, the idea that it is just the mind and the body that exists, and there's nothing beyond that, and there's nothing that connects us to a world outside of this, and there's there's no other world but this world, and all of all of these things kind of come into a, a worldview that becomes so 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 restrictive, and based fundamentally only on empiricism. Mm. that allows us to know so much less and allows white supremacy to persist. Mm. So for those of you who are listening to us, we are still talking about knowledge and why we are still trying to explain why knowledge is not white and why it's not only white Europeans or Westerners who produce uh, recognizable knowledge or should be recognized as the only people who produce recognizable knowledge. But in, in terms of, in reality, or let me try to bring the conversation a little bit close to, um, let's say, the struggles that we are also facing today, mainly when we talk about integration, migration, many of it now we know that borders are man-made and all of these all of these ideas of border and nationalism all of it is very much attached to um capitalism the white idea of how a perfect society should look and um in that sense which brings up these whole topics about they are not from our particular kind of culture they are different and why they should not be allowed why we should build more walls and exclude them and the discussions about the politicians here them paying the taxes of destroying these people's homes and the countries back home it's not a real topic the 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 narration of this whole migration crisis as we see has also been um, promoted by intellectuals uh, media 
giants, corporations that are also very much benefiting from this and somehow lie to their own society or sort of they turn a blind eye to believe what they are told. How do you, how would you relate to that, let's say, with our own um, heritage or our own experiences in this part of the Western world? How, what do you think when you see these narratives today being told in cooperation to what we've just been talking about? Means? Me? Yeah, I mean, if you got what I mean, though. <laughs> Um, that what was the question in that? No, I was just saying, if we compare all these knowledges that we've been talking about and uh, the realities of what we know today with the migration or refugee crisis um, that is they call a priority in Europe, how uh, can we look at the how this knowledge has been both produced or represented in the in this part of the world? How can we compare that also to um, or connected to kind of production of knowledge of what is also being taught in the society, why people perceive people mm. from other nationalities or minority yeah. groups the way they do today in um, yeah. Europe? Um, well, it's, de it's definitely like the rubric of um, Eurocentrism and um, white supremacy that people that aren't white are lesser. And so when people have become so desensitized to the 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 hardships that people across the globe have to go through and have become so entitled as well to the to to the the comfortable lives that they live that this kind of separation between humanity has allowed for such such horrible like things to go on in the world and allowed for the migrant crisis allowed for people to to be dying at sea and nobody necessary and a lot of people in the west and really not caring at all and um even in terms of brexit this this nationalism that's erupted in the uk mm -hmm. um of wanting to close our borders and not allow anyone um that doesn't have enough money or doesn't have anything to come to come in is is disgusting and the only reason that the west is so rich is because of the loots of colonization mm -hmm. and and a lot of um, indigenous knowledge systems, the idea was that all of humanity is connected and we, we should respect each other as, as connected beings. And it goes back to um, this kind of Cartesian separation that we are just bodies and minds and we're very individual. And this liberal sense of individualism has, has a massive impact, I think, on um, migration, immigration, um, and so on and so forth, because people want to just take care of themselves and take care of their families and don't see other people as humans and this um yeah they they generally don't see people that are not white as as full humans and it's it's, it's very sad mm. camelo you have something to add to this yeah i'd say um that's a very structural affirmation what you just said melt because racism happens to be a force of dehumanizing people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like I, I always remember of uh, Franz Fanon, mm. right? This intellectual from uh, in the Caribbean island of uh, Martinique. Algeria? Martinique or Algeria? He worked a lot, very long, for a long time in, in Algeria, in northern Africa, but he was, he was born and raised in Martinique. In Martinique, yeah. 
and then he 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 migrated to France. Yeah, that, that's a very good summary. He was Martinique is still a place, a overseas territory of France. So people born in the island, they have French passports. So in the 60s, when he migrates to France, he he comes to Europe and he thinks he's a French person. He thinks he's a French man. But they say, no, you're not a French man. You you're you're a Negro. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for the word, but he he says, I am. I'm a French. I'm a French person. No, you're, you're a black person. You, you're not a human. Then he realizes, in order to be a human, I need to get widened. I need to 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 be to get integrated. I need some integration to become to get some acknowledgement, to be treated as a human being. I think it's very it's a key word what you said, Melt. Liberalism and this idea of individualism, both are actually. Um, tools for domination, for capitalist, mm-hmm. white supremacist domination. Since mm-hmm. this idea of me as an individual and I just care about me, I'm just living for me and maybe for my relatives, it really does not address collective problems. For example, racism, for example, patriarchy, for example, yeah, uh, what capitalist, capitalist exploitation. If I under uh, if I see myself just um, I mean now I'm trying to address people who think there is just one structural violence oppressing us. I mean there's just racism oppressing us, or just capitalism oppressing us, or just patriarchy oppressing us. No, that's not true. There are many other ways in which other people are oppressed, and I can it will it's it simply collaborates. It simply helps all other types of of structural violence, all other systems of oppression if you just take care of yourself and who you are mm-hmm. and your family and maybe you're yourself if you don't understand yourself as part of a collective um st- yeah collective structure collective um entity um mm-hmm. you're actually collaborating for other ways of other forms of oppression to get stronger and stronger mm-hmm. and guess what all types of oppression are actually the same right <laughs> But just in different forms. Just in different forms. You cannot fight for socialism, anarchy, and stuff if you don't include uh, feminism, mm. feminist perspectives, anti-racist perspectives. So this idea of me as an individual, which is in- enforced and reinforced by capitalism as a way of consuming individually and producing individually, for example, um, we're letting out... We're t- I'm sure we're not paying sufficient attention to the problem of, for example, legitimation discourses, like academy, like the production of knowledge. Who's producing knowledge? Why is this important in this case? In order to summarize, to wrap up, I think it's very important to talk about who's producing the knowledge because science, philosophy, and, and so on are the, the means by which uh, all these oppressions are justified are explained and legitimized, right? And because they're they're justified rationally, <laughs> look at that, rationally explained and justified, <laughs> they are carried out. These oppressions are carried out because they're, they sound good, mm. because they convince you, because they con- are convincing majorities to vote on them, to practice them, to not to question them. So who's producing knowledge? The, nowadays, we need to acknowledge universities 
wide universities in, in wide European countries, in the United States, in Canada, in Australia, New Zealand, they are producing knowledge, and they, that is the knowledge that's being acknowledged, recognized. And how, how and why? Because they, they already created, and that's the thing I, I constantly realize in my studies in Germany. If you do not follow the method, if you do not fulfill the requirements they're asking you to, for example, to publish a paper, mm -hmm. your knowledge is not going to be taken into consideration. You're just a person who writes, but you're not, you're not a scientist. Mm -hmm. you, you don't legitimate, you're not able to legitimate anything. So at the end of the day, mm, again, addressing all forms of oppression, we need to pay also special attention to the ways um, knowledge is being produced and who, how and when. Mm. Mm. Just so shortly before we wrap it up, I would really kindly ask you both to make a short comment on like, because when we're talking about this, uh, we talk about knowledge, we talk about education, and sometimes I think it can be very confusing in, to some people because uh, in this society, it seems to look like uh, in various of the societies, more alike, people seem to recognize the um, uh, education or formal education that you get, that you get in the society, or you um, kind of, yeah, you got compared to your knowledge or the kind of knowledge you produce. If you are somebody who went to the universities who have acquired uh, education through these formal educations. And uh, you are, let's say, a philosopher or a theorist, uh, a scientist who did not go to these formal educations, you will not be recognized. So can you like make a little comment on the difference between education and um, knowledge and what is what? And that's question is to you, Mint. And before. Okay. The difference, well, I, I guess it's just, um, hierarchies and prestige and how to maintain um, hierarchies because the West is built on hierarchies, hierarchies of race, hierarchies of gender, hierarchies of class and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to legitimize having a hierarchy of knowledge and understanding in the world, we have these institutions and um, people who can go, to, who are able to go into those institutions and acquire those formal educations are seen as better than people who have incredible knowledges that don't necessarily align with um, the Western understanding of how to obtain knowledge and the process, the, epi the epistemological process um, of, of gaining knowledge. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's just fundamentally wrong. It's, it's, <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's, I don't know how, I don't really have much more to say about it than it's, it's a way to, ensure that those hierarchies are maintained and that knowledge that is produced outside of the academy um, is not legitimized. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Would you like, I, I would like to ask you a little, I would like to ask you for a favor, Melt. Maybe you can explain for the people who might, who might not be, you know, acquainted to the, to the word hierarchy. To explain hierarchy. That. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hierarchy, just that, Somebody has to be at the top and others have to be below that person at the top or those people at the top. Mm. And I also said the word epistemology and epistemology just means the production of knowledge and its justification and validation. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Correct. Now, my comment would be, uh, we need to understand, I think anthropology is a very, it's the worst science ever, because it's, <laughs> I need to say it because it's the, it's the way um, colonialism was legitimized and yeah. practiced, mm -hmm. right? It was simply a tool for, for King Leopold of Belgium to enter Congo mm -hmm. and understand how people were organizing, were, were organized politically, mm -hmm. uh, socially, religiously, uh, sexually, and so on. So they could dominate them better and faster. Mm -hmm. So they could uh, enslave them uh, faster in, in getting, you know, the basis of capitalism. Mm. More, more profit in less time. <laughs> so anthropology was a key tool for colonialism. And therefore for white supremacy. Mm -hmm. But anthropology, the only thing I've learned in anthropology is understanding particularity. We, for example, regarding black, the black people all around the world, it's not the same people from Nigeria, not the same people in London, people in Colombia. Black persons all over the world are particularly different. Mm -hmm. So that's to understand what particularities mean. In that case, I think in order, if you... If you, anybody, I mean, peop, somebody listening to this radio show could be a philosopher, could be a thinker, could be a scientist. The thing is, if we're still looking for science and, and philosophy and knowledge in the white forms, you will never consider yourself to be an intelligent person. Mm -hmm. So this idea of Kant, or Kant, <laughs> this idea of the philosopher, this idea of the, the, the thinker, the European thinker, is European. If you're not European, you're not a thinker. You're not a thinker, but you might be. You might be a philosopher. You might be an artist. You might be something, f someone full of potential, of intellectual, artistic, political potential. But if, but you're if you're living in Europe, or maybe not, you don't need to live in Europe. White supremacy is all over the world. Mm -hmm. But you might be. We need to break, to destroy this idea, of the white thinker, of the white knowledge producer, mm -hmm. because. If you're still, if we still reproduce it, we still believe in this thing. We'll never find r space for ourselves to be who we are, and and to practice the things we actually need to practice. I will take an example: uh, the Yoruba people. Where, if you want to look for the Yoruba philosophy, you will need to you need to know a little bit about Ifa mm -hmm. and about the spiritual practice of the ancestral, millenary spiritual practices of, of the Yoruba people. And you guess what? It is spirituality um, in in the, in the European languages. Spirituality yeah. and religion are very hard to differentiate. Yeah. But in Yoruba, it's somehow more. It's, it's easier. Yeah. And <laughs> if we European philosophy has traced, has built up a wall um, between science or philosophy and religion. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That doesn't. That's not. The, that's not real. That's not the case. Outside of Europe, this spirituality, kind of exactly, spirituality and and philosophy are most of the times the same thing. It's entangled very well. Exactly, yeah. they're entangled. They complement themselves. And at the end of the day, uh, that's just an example to understand how how important it is to understand how particularity, the differences among everybody. Every every culture, every society. At the end of the day, you might be 
you listening to this show, you might be a thinker, you might be a philosopher, you might be a scientist, but it, because you don't have a degree, because you don't have a diploma, maybe you think you're not. But, and because your philosophy, your science, doesn't look like the European science, mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're not a scientist. Right? Yeah. And that's what we are trying to actually change, both with our programs in the bridge radio, and that's also what we try to make people believe and see themselves as when they come to the silent university. And that's why you invite people to become part of the silent university and do not be worn down. Do not be feel like because of you do not acquire this uh, formal educations that you cannot produce knowledge uh, you cannot be a thinker. You cannot be whatever you don't want to, what you want to be in the world. You are what you want to be. And that's what we are trying to, Uh, pass today as the message and thank you very much um, you both for coming into the show and um, it's been amazing talking to you and um, I really enjoy having the conversations with you and I hope we can also do that in the near future and uh, yeah thank you very much for coming into the show thank you all right thanks uh, a lot yeah th thanks a lot thanks for the uh, no for the invitation thanks the bridge radio for having us and Letting us speak. Power to the people. <laughs> Power to the people. <laughs> and uh, to all our communities there, it doesn't matter where you are, we are always trying to reach out to you and we also hope that you always reach out to us to whatever conversation that is very important in our local communities. And uh, we have a great day. coming from Polino, <coughs> from Colombia, and that song was um, introduced to us by Camelo, the, the one of the persons you just heard his voice now in the interview. And I have to say thank you very much for them to be in this program. Well, enjoy this beat from Colombia, some old spiritual stuff. <laughs> This is the second interview with the Bridge Radio.
And we are here in the program again. Before you heard what we've been talking about, we've been talking about knowledge, the production of knowledge, the impact in which this production of knowledge in the West has for minority groups, um, black people, brown people, people of different culture, people of different religion, and why we sort of need to try to challenge this idea of knowledge and for our own knowledge in this society to be recognized. So our next guest is going to be Ahmed, um, the main initiator of the Silent University from the beginning. So I'm going to introduce him to the program and we are going to have an amazing conversation, I hope, with the last conversations we've also had. So Ahmed, welcome to the program and thanks for coming in to talk with us. Thanks for inviting me, Steve. So can you please kindly introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, my name is Ahmed Oud. Uh, I'm an artist uh, and also initiator of the Silent University. Well, uh, now I would say uh, one of the co-members of Silent University currently. Right. Yeah. So being, being that or that being said, why did you think it was important to start up Silent University. I mean, not to um, oppose the reason, but to say we have already institutions and educational um, institutions. Why mm -hmm. is it important, in your view, to um, have Silent University? Well, there, there has been very clear reasons, and those reasons are still valid, uh, although this is our eighth year of uh, existence. It started first in UK, and you know, when we say Western uh, uh, knowledge, uh, Western way of, uh, Western idea of in institution. Yeah. Um, and also the idea of Europe and so on. In 2011, when I, I was invited to a residency in UK, as someone who was uh, uh, officially based in Netherlands, uh, with a permit from Netherlands, I was unable to go to UK. And that was the time before uh, breakfast, uh, Brexit uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. So it was already unclear for a non-European, uh, Europe was not a unified place, mm -hmm. you know, as soon, as soon as we try to travel between the countries. Yeah. And, uh, and especially if you try to go to UK. And, and I went to UK with the basis of a one-year uh, uh, temporary visa. And, uh, and I initiated the Silent University there during my residency, so with my uh, temporary presence. Mm -hmm. This was not the main part of the uh, idea. I was just there, and during I had to make use of my time, and I could have done anything, you know, more related to that art institution or museum invited me at that moment, yeah. and it would be over by the end of that year. But uh, when I was there and I was asked to... Um, do a community project, I was very critical of this idea of uh, predefined categories of uh, people. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, I also uh, admired the work community centers did. You know, um, they work with a predefined idea of communities, like uh, based on ethnicity, based on age, uh, like old people's house or uh, teenagers uh, center and uh, all people from same neighborhood or same country. Or uh, even there was a place, uh, institution called Freedom from Torture, 
that all, all the people had effects and traumas from torture, uh, they were uh, going. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of uh, focused uh, groups and community centers, and they were doing quite effective work. Um, but when, what I thought what an artist can do and an art museum can do is very limited, even if it's a big one, mm -hmm. big institution. Uh, I realized there is a community that's not based on the ethnicity, age, uh, or any of those predefined categories. Yeah. But uh, one thing that was common, that the knowledge. Uh, so it could be any language, any country, any age, any discipline they could be coming from. Mm -hmm. And normally, maybe they wouldn't get together because of this other common reasons didn't exist uh, in the in the in any of those community centers. But they were a community, but they weren't uh, getting together. Mm. And I thought this is the community of academics, uh, no matter what language they speak, no matter what country they come from, mm -hmm. uh, their knowledge is not immediately recognized. It's subject to this waiting process. And in UK, you know, this uh, idea of UK being an island already at that time, mm -hmm. and it was one of those places, you know, uh, that the, the, the process is a lot longer compared to, for instance, Sweden. Mm -hmm. And that's where we started Science University. You know, the process was a lot harder and a lot slower. And and uh, there was no such thing uh, in the mainstream media called migration crisis yet. Mm -hmm. You know, there was already political uh, uh, organizations in Amsterdam, for instance, uh, or in Hamburg. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but it was uh, it was not part of the mainstream discussion at all yet. Yeah. And in UK, there wasn't any uh, political approach to that, but also any uh, any time for thinking of uh, academic approach to that. So I thought, okay, this is a big absence. Like if you keep uh, treating people in those defined categories, even though if it is something, um, a, a type of uh, idea of a charity or help or things like that, mm -hmm. that still creates another category of people. Mm-hmm. But with Silent University, what uh, what I thought, which would be possible, that uh, without those hierarchies uh, of uh, legal limitations and language limitations, because this is part of integration politics, mm -hmm. uh, you need to first learn the local language uh, of the country where yeah. you arrive, and and also uh, have the papers, documents, local documents, uh, and also. Um, these documents, identity documents, or uh, study documents, to be able to recognize. Yeah. Uh, but we did the reverse recognition process. So instead of waiting for authorization, we uh, everyone recognized each other, self-recognized, mm. and that could have been done. Uh, that could be done uh, immediately. So uh, that helped Silent University to exist immediately as well and exist in a level of those other institutions we, we collaborated that they exist since very long time and they exist also with uh, those all those authorized papers and recognitions. And we could uh, very quickly get the same level as an institution. So I, I thought we needed one more institution. Uh, as you said, you know, why do we need another institution mm -hmm. uh, uh, when we cannot take care of the other existing ones? Yeah. I, I thought we needed another institution that uh, can establish its own rules, and it's not really 
defined by authorization. Mm. So, uh, you know, top-down authorization. Yeah. So top-down authorization in, in every kind of institution, if you look at universities, if you look at uh, governing systems, uh, it's uh, like that. Uh, but uh, it is very complex to imagine it's beyond one single language or beyond uh, one ethnicity, mm. you know, centralized way of thinking. No. And for us, this challenge was uh, the struggle and challenge was the creative point for Silent University. We thought this is not a separate administrative and bureaucratic uh, process and knowledge is as completely separate from this process. But this process of recognition is exactly directly linked uh, link to knowledge itself. Mm. You know, the way you can share the knowledge immediately without uh, waiting and losing it. Yeah, now, now it's it's um, important that you mentioned, or it was nice to hear you mentioned um, recognition. And in the one of the things, or, or the theme of this, our program today is knowledge is not white. And why we say that is that it's not only the Western and European intellectuals who produce valuable knowledges and recognizable valuable knowledges. These knowledges can be uh, seen in every part of the world. Uh, if you call it the Middle East, if you call it Africa, if you call it I Asia, if you call it um, South America, all of this, there is knowledges there. But the fact that they do not, they were not, uh, are not able or are not even allowed to get into the Western sort of institu institu institutional um, education makes them illiterate. That makes them not to be recognized as people who have uh, valuable knowledge just simply because they did not go through the formal educational system of the West. So that was why I was asking if you think it was important and relevant to create or what you experienced made you think it is important to create a, a, a space, a system whereby people who do not or are not able to assess the Western standard of education can also be recognized as people who produce knowledge and not only by the philosophers and by the intellectuals of the West who write about us, who write about other cultures, other um, minority groups and take that as the truth of like either philosophy or idea do you get what i mean yeah absolutely i mean we started uh, with the reverse process you mm -hmm. know uh, when someone uh, is being told that they are being disabled not being able to speak the language of the country they are at that moment yeah uh, that is a wrong way to start so we started okay this is the ideology we have Anyone can present any lecture, mm -hmm. any language they prefer in their native language or preferred language. Mm -hmm. uh, but others in the room or in, in members of other members, not only the visitors coming from outside, but the members mm -hmm. won't be able to understand that language. Yeah. So we had already from the very first meeting, no common one language, single language that could become common because yeah. we had always multiple languages in the room. Mm -hmm. And to have even established a very basic level of communication, uh, you have to go through these many languages. And 
and it makes it uh, very simple steps very hard, but also very complex steps very fast yeah. to progress. And this was very important to tell people, if you are in UK, if English is the main language, if you are in Germany, if German language is the main language, or if you are in Sweden, Swedish language, and you think this is very natural to think that way, mm-hmm. that is wrong to think you need someone to translate to you somebody giving a lecture in Arabic, for instance. Yeah. Instead, you need to think of a solution as a person who wants to have an access, not the lecturer who is lecturing in that language. Mm. You see? Usually we expect from um, institutions to do this mediation. Uh, they they translate whatever is the presentation and done with whatever language mm-hmm. to the uh, actual language of that country at that moment of that place. Yeah, you know, uh, if they do it, if they are capable of do, doing it, they do it. If not, uh, then there's somebody sitting there translating it, and uh, and you know, the, or sometimes it's ignored. It's just in that language, and everybody else in the room understanding second language, but not that one. I have no access, but often that's also ignored. That's what I am saying, that if you are entering a place like that, a room like that, when uh, things like, um, not in favor of your privileged situation, mm-hmm. that should, in fact, activate uh, you, your privilege uh, that, that is actually a disability. Yeah. You know, So that disability is a productive moment uh, that, that uh, instead of expecting uh, being passive and this kind of target practice of knowledge transfer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, banking practice, this is uh, rather uh, an ideology, you know. And if, if the ideology is based on that practice, mm-hmm. not an exchange practice, not that everybody in the room is equally being uh, active, and they have to stay active in order to involve. Not one side is taking care of it and the other side is just being present there. Not like that. And not put uh, on the shoulder of one side to fix that. Uh, this is the wrong way of thinking. You know, so everybody is part of this process. Uh, that's why it's, it's rather than calling a group of people students and the other teachers. Yeah. You know, uh, we have to think everybody uh, as active users. So if a German person comes to a lecture of silent university, doesn't understand uh, the language, uh, the, 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 the presentation is done, needs to have the responsibility to find a way to access it also, personally. Mm. You know, So it has to be an exchange. It has to be a collaboration. That's why then we don't have to even spend time to discuss you know, the inter- integration politics. Yeah. Because inter- integration politics is often based on one-sided idea, uh, which means one side is fixed and the other side needs to be integrated. You know? Yeah. But in our idea, we have no fixed sides. Uh, every uh, side have uh, limits, big limits. Yeah. You know, you are limited to the language you speak and so on. And you have to learn uh, the other tools, other languages, other ways of communicating in order to actively involve. Yeah. And everyone can do it for each other. So it is this kind of exchange process while 
uh, there is a topic, why there is a lecture, why there is a course, uh, you know, uh, with uh, another experience that is coming from the past, from the other place, from mm. uh, uh, where people are coming from, they bring with them, and you respect that. So the idea of while respecting that, not putting on the shoulder of that person to go through all this process of translation yeah. uh, and uh, transforming after the translation uh, the knowledge into the easy way that we can access because we are already there mm-hmm. and that's the person arriving. That's the wrong way of thinking. So you know, that's, that's why all this uh, knowledge is not recognized and it takes years uh, and by the time often it is gone. So in your view, why do you think it is important for um, minority groups, refugees, migrants to be very much included in the um, silent university? We have different branches now. We have in London, in different cities in Germany, in Copenhagen, Sweden, um, Finland, you name it. Mm-hmm. So why is it very important for refugees, migrants, and minority groups who do not have access to the recognized um, institutional uh, knowledge. Yeah, I mean, institutions are not designed to be against us, but they became like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is important to reimagine an institution that should be actually the the very first idea of institutions why they they were designed, Mm. you know, and uh, you cannot imagine them without people. And uh, when people are in charge again of those institutions to redesign them, uh, then they become useful again. So that's why we thought silent university could be useful for every individual. And when they were addressed their problem as uh, by the system, as it is an individual problem, mm-hmm. you know, if you cannot speak the language, that's your individual problem. If you cannot, uh, as a newcomer. You know, if if you don't have, if you cannot provide any legal papers, that is your own individual problem. And uh, this kind of uh, autonomous, uh, uh, independent and uh, silent university kind of institution is, uh, in, te- in terms of uh, management, yeah. uh, time management, speeds up a lot of process. By the time... Uh, this recognition comes to a level, such a level, authorization is not necessary anymore. Mm. It's already authorized, you know. This is how something, how a lot of things becomes cult- cultural heritage. So what you, you say, so what It is not only about uh, the, the, that current paper appro- approving something. The heritage is something shared by uh, several generations of people. Yeah recognizing the same thing and protecting the same thing. Yeah, so so what I'm trying to say is what you're saying is that more of the, let's say, people who do not have access to the recognized educational system who produce knowledge should Mm -hmm. take upon themselves to recognize themselves that they produce knowledge and take that as an embodiment, despite where they have come from, despite what uh, language they speak, despite what their religions is, that they should see themselves as also people who produce knowledge. Yes, and I think it's important that the way we started it was not like immediately asking everybody 
you should become very active, you should become the coordinator and organizer of silent university immediately from the uh, day first. Instead, it is as much as through those institutions who wanted to uh, involve in these ideas and their already existing institutions, but they work in different ideology and principles, but they still have interest to collaborate with silent university. Without giving up the autonomy of silent university, we agreed to collaborate with those institutions okay. if they agree to transform themselves. And they start like that by providing very basic platform. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say help, because the potential is already there. Everyone has that power and potential. But providing a basic platform, basic facilities, sharing that, and until every member, every individual involved in silent university, mm. uh, and we also take the time as much as we can. We are not in a rush in that sense. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things needs to be addressed in a very rushed way. But uh, to, for, to form and this ongoing long-term initiative, we take the time. And by the time they feel uh, strong individually, mm -hmm. that they can actually take over the con coordinating and control and programming and shaping it yeah. and rethinking it yeah not the way uh, as one of the first initiator and the first initiator i thought or the first institutions involved or first coordinator thoughts or first directors involved but as themselves as the new coordinators as the autonomous coordinators they have right to rethink and reshape it and reform it and uh, this has been happening in uh, in a few silent university branches this transformation mm -hmm. you know uh, until the time uh, because that's already there but it's it's i think too much to expect from from everyone to day one you know uh, that uh, to take that uh, coordinating responsibility mm -hmm. but when you have already a stab stable a kind of stable a sort of stable kind of a basic institutional structure, uh, it is possible to take over and uh, reinvent it and uh, and also activate it uh, even longer term. Mm. Great. So what would you say would be your advice to, let's say, since also it's mainly refugees, migrants, and minority groups who are accessing um, Silent University, what would you say is um, the advice to these communities who are not able or who are excluded from the formal um, education? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not an advice, it is just the experience and everyone uh, who will involve long enough with silent university have a uh, very important experience and everything they say, I think it's very valid experience. And uh, as I involved also since the beginning, uh, I, I can say things from this experience that it is important <clears throat> not to uh, think an institution is an idea to be against or be afraid of, of be uh, always being fight, but negotiate in an antagonistic way, and uh, and then institutions are actually us, and we can take over the way they are. They could be formulated, mm. and uh, and it is very possible when in a moment when you don't have anything to prove that you have any, in any position uh, until uh, when there are others uh, uh, and other struggles uh, about the same thing, and it all looks like individual struggles, that's not individual struggles, that is actually a matter of getting together, acknowledging 
the heritage that everyone brings with themselves mm. and joyfully sharing that with others mm. and others recognizing this. But uh, to do that, uh, it is not only enough to create marginal uh, organizations. Mm -hmm. They stay always on the margins, but they are strong enough to reclaim the existing institutions until, in terms of silent university, we talk about mainly academic institutions, yeah. and those academic institutions become themselves silent university. Yeah. And when that happens, uh, so it's not a matter of minorities only, it's not a matter of uh, newcomers, uh, people don't have legal people, peppers, but actually everyone will have a right to have that kind of decentralized education in uh, multiple languages and multiple cultures in a true way, not top-down way. And and there should be a constant everyday fight, uh, negotiation uh, to, to keep those institutions alive, not to become more and more bureaucratic, uh, bureaucratic dark holes that where there is no knowledge exchange anymore happening, but it's becoming more like the corporates and companies. So it is, I think, it's an, a question, urgent question for everyone, no matter from where you are, uh, to take care of that. And this can be only done to, together, not to see something like Silent University as an all, only an utopian marginal uh, example, but actually how the universities today should be, hmm. should take the challenge, should transform themselves in order to stay true to themselves and in order to stay uh, as centers of knowledge, true knowledge exchange. Mm, thank you very much, Ahmed. Well, you all heard what he said and why it's important for us to contribute and help um, communities and spaces such as like the Silent University to get involved in it ourselves to improve it to be part of it because it's not going to change without us so to that end i would like to say thank you very much Ahmed, for coming in and sharing both your experience and what you do and encouragement uh, for the public thank you Steve. thank you so much all right thank you. and thank i you hope you have a blessed day the Bridge Radio. We are coming to the end of our program now and you're still listening to the bridge radio from fsk and to that end we we are going to say goodbye in a short while and the next music you're going to be hearing is going to be from uh, colombia also which was given to us in this program today by cabello from colombia and the next music you're going to be hearing after that is also from Mens. and as we talked about them earlier it's a music they are a, music, uh, a musician also um, do arts in different ways support the community that they are from and to everyone who has contributed to this program today i say thank you very much for being very part of it and uh, we look forward to having you again in, in the next two weeks and always stay tuned to the bridge radio
And this is Black in Britain. So I've been your host today and I hope you enjoyed the show also. Thank you very much for being part of the show and goodbye from me.